Welcome to the Intelligent Investing Podcast, where modern portfolio theory can suck it. A student of the school of Graham and Doddsville and a clergy member of the Church of Warren Buffett, here's your host, Eric Schlein. Hi, this is Eric Schlein. You're listening to the Intelligent Investing Podcast, and today we have on Trey Henninger. Trey, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad yeah. to be here. Now, Trey, you're... Is uh, he runs a blog, uh, DIY Investing? Is it is it DIYinvesting.org? Yes, that's correct. All right, and then you have you, you also have a podcast as well. Yes, I do the uh, the DIY Investing podcast. All right, cool. And where where in Texas are you from? Um, originally from Austin, but okay. uh, basically in the Houston area. Now. Nice, nice. Now, what's better barbecue? Is it Austin or Houston? Just generally, Texas barbecue is good. We've got good barbecue everywhere in Texas. What's so. your, do you have a favorite spot? Um, this is like a big deal. This is a big deal. My my favorite is probably Salt Lake in Austin. I've been uh, there. I guess it it's 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 a little outside of Austin, but um, that's one of my favorites. But there's a lot of good barbecue. Um, have you ever had blacks. the Have you ever had the bone marrow appetizer at that place? I have not had the bone marrow it is I've had a so lot of good stuff though. They bring out this giant bone split in half where you can just eat out the marrow. It's del- and they season eat out the, the marrow. marrow. And, it, and it's no. like a season made delicious, yeah. Yeah, I haven't had that, but I've been going there for uh decades basically. My dad used to go there um when it was just you drive up, it was an open field and it was just a the the dad of the current owner mm-hmm. would sit there and he has the big old barbecue pit and would just sell to people that drive up next to it. So cool. Very cool. So tell us, um, there's a very interesting, uh, business that, uh, you want to talk about today. Uh, so tell us a little bit about this company. So the company is Northfield precision instruments corporation. Um, they are a dark company. So that means they don't report to the, their financials to the sec um, but they don't hide their financials. They'll freely give them to you, and they will mail you the financials basically in little pamphlet. So it's quite short. So for those kind watching on YouTube, uh, showing yeah. a pamphlet. So if you're listening in the car on your po- on the audio podcast, check out this YouTube thing because it's actually kind of uh, kind of cool how they do it. Yeah, so it's That's like a wild. little fold up pamphlet. Never seen anything um, like that before. And it fits. I mean, basically in a normal mailing envelope. And it, it's actually kind of funny. They they change the color year by year based upon which Super Bowl team wins. <laughs> okay. Um, because that's what the prior uh, CEO, he loved football. Um, but they operate in the manufacturing industry, and they manufacture precision air chucks, um, and they're custom, basically. They used to be just a generic manufacturer, Um for those not aware of what this is, it's basically the piece of equipment that holds other tools. So just like when you're working, you know, on something in your house, you might hold, um, like if you're trying to cut wood, you would hold the wood, um, and stabilize it either with your hand or with the tool, um, before you use a bench saw or something or anything used to stabilize something. Well, in industry, those pieces of equipment are gigantic. Mm. Um, And they need to be very precise, and it requires very intense machining. So they buy the commodity, basically steel, and they machine it into very precise equipment 
that needs to be precise to within tenths of a millimeter or hundreds of a millimeter. Um, but that what that does is it allows them to sell. Um, they, they basically have pricing power. Um, but as a small company, they ha- are about five million dollars in market cap. Um, so it's very small, probably for well. I know some of your listeners like to buy a lot of small companies, but um, it's quite a small company. Uh, I think it's a good start until yeah. going to and how did you how did you find this company? So I don't remember exactly where I found it originally, but it was one of two places. It was either the Focus Compounding website or the Elementary Value blog. Um, okay. Both are great sources for investment ideas. I tend to source almost all of my ideas from other bloggers or podcasts. And we, we've had, we've had uh, David Flood and Jeff Gannon on the show. Yes, yes. So um, I've talked to I think I talked to David about this one before I bought it, and he like he he wrote it up and didn't like it, and then because um, it wasn't cheap enough in his eyes, and then I I liked it. Well, he so also he also looks at like long term charts and how stocks yes. accumulating. So if the chart isn't there for him, he's not going to buy it. Yeah, so so for him, the chart wasn't there. He basically said, you know, I'll buy it at a much cheaper price, and I'll be happy to own it then, but I'm not ready to buy it now. Um, It's run away from that price, but, you know, he might end up being the one that's right, and you might be able to get it back at that someday. But yeah, I don't think so, but that's why I bought it. (laughs) Now, there's almost no liquidity in this thing, right? I mean, can you even buy shares? It's very, very hard. how long did it take I, for you to accumulate a position? I spent probably six months trying to buy my position. Now, I run a portfolio of, I target five stocks. So I try to put 20% of my portfolio into position. This this stock, I ended up stopping at 5% because it was just hard to get the shares. Um, and at the time, I was pretty heavily invested. So the 5% was, was a good amount. Um, because in large part you have to put out buy orders and leave them there. And so in order for me to move up more, I would have to sell stocks. It wasn't like I had cash sitting around. If I had cash sitting around, I'd just leave it in an open buy order. But it took me about six months, but then I got all of my shares on two days. Oh, wow. Um, so on a normal day, zero shares trade in this stock. And, but on some days you'll have a hundred shares, 500 shares, a thousand shares, 3000 shares, um, for reference, that's, you know, the share price is in the $20 range. So, I mean, if you only have 100 shares trade and then no shares trade for three weeks, then you're only trading $2,000 worth. So it takes a long time to acquire a position, but every once in a while, you can acquire thousands of shares on a single day. Now, did you have so, to put limit orders at the price or did you have to raise, your, raise the price from the, the, the last bid? So for this one... I ended up raising the price one time. So I, I, I filled it in two orders. The first order, they hit my price. And then the second order, I hit the ask. Okay. Basically, someone was trying to sell in volume. So I actually had my bid higher than the previous um, offer Okay. Um, after the first transaction because I was trying to entice someone to come down um, and was able to do that. The in general, the stock hasn't had a huge bid-ask spread. It's just had very low volume. Now, right now, it has a very big bid-ask spread. But uh, when I was buying, 
I bought in 2019. Okay. I was able to acquire my position in, like I said, in two days, but it took six months of bidding and watching the price go up and down. But Got it. So you can get into the position quite heavily um, as an individual investor, but it, professional investors are going to really struggle to have it, to be able to, to get into this stock. Yeah. Now tell us about why you like the stock as an investment. So I like the stock as an investment for a few key reasons. Um, first one, so I'm a value investor, and it, the stock is quite cheap. Um, but when I was buying the stock, my average cost is in the $17 range. And at the time that I was buying, the earnings per share was about $4.20. That's crazy. So so you were buying, I mean, I was buying it basically a four times PE. And was this, was, are these uh, earnings growing over time too? Yeah. So in 2015, um, yeah, let me look at my reference here. So in 2015, they had like 50 cents per share earnings, 2016, a dollar per share, 2017, $2.46 per share, and 2018, $4.27 per share. So for three years in a row, they were doubling their earnings every year. Um, basically, there was a three-year CAGR of 100% growth, which was I found quite attractive to also buy that at a PE of four. Was, um, there, was there a reason for that insane amount of growth? I mean, that's not normal for the company, I would imagine, so if it's a $5 million market a, cap. No, actually, for many years, um, so in 20. 12 they were hit i think it was 2012 someone's gonna catch me this being blatantly wrong but it was either in 2012 plus or minus like six months by the way knowing my audience if there is something wrong someone will catch it (laughs) someone will catch it so we have a very um, smart smart listening listener base yeah with with a live audience it's, it's always bad to take historic data and can get caught in it but basically hurricane sandy hit new york it's based in new york city or not new york city but new on um in in new york near new york city and Hurricane Sandy hit and destroyed the facility. So they rebuilt the facility because they had insurance proceeds to do so. Um, but it slowed getting the business going again. Okay. And then, so for three years, they basically earned 40 to 50 cents per share. And once they had all their equipment up and running, they were able to purchase it. They were able to start growing revenue. And the company has pricing power. So what they're able to do is they can have a set gross profit percentage it doesn't fluctuate really year from year. They can charge whatever they want because what happens is this is a key part of manufacturing for So they, they provide supplies to other manufacturers. Well, their equipment might cost the company, let's say $5,000 of raw materials to build. But what happens is when the equipment goes down, the company that they're selling this to might lose millions of dollars a day. So what they can say is like, well, we'll charge you 50 grand or 100 grand, or we can sell you basically whatever we want to charge because it's a custom job. They are one of the best in the world at that. Um, I, I listened to their annual meeting a few weeks ago, and they basically said, we have no competitors. Um, there's people that make this equipment, but they don't. there's very few, if any, custom competitors. Why, why, are so they they still, can, why are they still so small then? It's a very small industry. Okay. So it's a niche industry. Now, part of it is, and this is part of what I liked about it. So they were basically able to grow their earnings, or they were growing revenue by, let's say, a million dollars a year for those three years. And then mo- like half of that was dropping to, to um, 
the bottom line. Okay. So they were just having very high operating leverage, which is what drew me to it because you'd see they they'd buy more equipment and then they can sell more product, buy more equipment, sell more product. Now, how long have how long have they actually been publicly traded for? They've been publicly traded um, for decades. So they were founded in the fifties, I think. Um, this is where I'm going to get caught in something. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> well, you're fine. But yeah, so they've been they've been publicly traded for decades. Um, at least into the '90s is is what I'm aware of. Um, so I, I mean, know, so out of all the all this money they've made for fifty, you know, over fifty years, where where is it gone? Has it been back to shareholders' so dividends they, or what's? They pay out dividends. So if you look at the history, which is usually rare for a five million dollar company, but yeah. if we if we take like 2014's earnings, they earned 52 cents a share and paid a 55 cent dividend. Got it. And so in 2015, they paid 50. 50 cent dividend on 53 cents of earnings. Well, what they changed in 2016 was they started seeing revenue growth opportunities and so they started retaining earnings. Mm-hmm. So they, when they earned a dollar, they only paid a 60 cents dividend and they were able to retain that earnings and then grow earnings from a dollar to 240. And so then in 2017, they paid a dollar in earnings. Mean, dividends. So they right. had a history of basically paying a hundred percent of their earnings as dividends. Got it. Um, now basically they're sold out. So the interesting thing when that they t- said in the annual shareholders meeting was that the company has growth opportunity, but they need to build a new building to expand. So basically they operate in a 15,000 square foot facility, which is pretty small when you think about manufacturers in general. Yeah. Um, but they already own the land to add an additional 10,000 square feet and they need to build a new building in order to fill it with equipment and produce more um and so at their 2018 earnings rate they're sold out they can't sell much more but they have the ability to expand into this building and there's plans to do so within the next couple years basically what what is the management what does the management pay themselves the management pays it's hard to see They, they don't report that and again this is one of the differences that i mean they have total um you obviously know the amount that they pay for SGNA and stuff, but okay. they don't break down management expenses because they're not SEC reporting. They don't right. have to report that. Um, but it's it's very heavily owned um, by management. I don't know the true okay. insider ownership, but I believe it's over fifty percent. Gotcha. So I think this is a controlled. Well, it's it's at least controlled by like a family. Well, they ever just take it. Well, they ever just take it private. I mean, like, what's the point of yeah. the shares even trading? Yeah, it's interesting. I, it was very odd being in the annual shareholders me- shareholders meeting because it's the first time that I've been able to attend it. Because generally they um, only hold it in person. Well, with COVID, they put it on Zoom. Yeah, and there was basically myself and two other investors, and then you had the whole management team and the, and then the family that owned it. Or like the controlling family. I guess it's two families. I think it's like maybe the grandkids or something of the founder um, and their spouses. Um, But there are only two other people. So it was really interesting because they're like, oh, we don't know anyone would want to call in. You know, they basically, I think, not had to interact with shareholders. And they didn't really understand even why you know that i own shares they're like because like well we don't see you on our register of people or you know they, they didn't really fully understand the idea of the shares being at a brokerage account or something along those lines 
Um, so they're very small, and I don't think they've thought about it in that way. Interesting. Um, basically, I mean, they, they, they take out the earnings and they pay them as dividends, which is great for shareholders. Yeah. As long as you're a minority shareholder, you're going to get the earnings. Have the returns um, been – I mean, if you were a shareholder for 20 years, have you had a good rate of return? Have you looked, have you um, actually calculated that? I have not calculated that. No, okay. I, th- I I wouldn't say it's been terrible, but I think you were probably set back significantly with the 2012 hurricane. Okay. Um, and it destroyed. The problem is, is that I've tried to get older reports, and they just all of their because they're these paper documents. They were all destroyed by the hurricane. Hmm. So I only have reports going back to 2013, I think, or 2014, whatever, right after the hurricane. Um, have you talked? I know you, David Flood yeah. has some of that information on his website of the like two thousands okay. of information. Interesting. And how? What, I mean, what do you think the company is actually worth? So, it was since I sent my information to you and we set this up. Their twenty nineteen earnings actually came out, and their okay. earnings dropped for this year. Okay. Um, they talked about that in their twenty eighteen report, kind of predicting. Oh, it's going to be a tough year because of the tariffs. Um, And they were projecting an industrial recession. And for many people that aren't aware, an industrial like manufacturing recession basically began at the end of last year. Um, Even though the overall economy stayed out of a recession in 2019. Mm -hmm. And so you see that in their earnings. So they dropped from their $4 range to the mid $2 range. Okay. um, In earnings. Um, they were they predicted that, but at the time I didn't think so because if you read their letters, which are quite short, but if you read every letter, they're always like, "Oh, this year was so great. We you know we don't know if we're going to do as well next year." And then each year they kept outperforming their expectations. So I was a little hesitant on that. But yeah, um, if you normalize their earnings over the last three years, you get about three dollars per share. Um, they also have growth opportunity. And they talk about they expect their sales to exceed their 2018 peak in the next three to five years. Um, and that it's really basically just this short-term recession that's causing them an issue. Um, now, it's still quite good because you're still buying at a great price. If you were to buy at $23, I think, is the current price. Okay. Um, you'd be at like seven times earnings, eight times earnings. Okay. Um, I don't think the company should sell for anything less than 15 because they've demonstrated they have pricing power. It's a very high quality company. They're recognized. So you you would pay thirty. A, would you pay thirty a share if if you were able to get shares today at thirty? Would you pay that? If I could buy a lot of shares at thirty, I'd buy it. Yeah. If I could buy, so it's like I have a five percent position. If yeah. I could double my position, I'd buy shares at thirty. If I could quadruple my position to make it a full twenty percent, I'd buy them. What I wouldn't do is I wouldn't buy it at thirty if I can only get a you know an extra percent. Yeah, would would you just put uh, it at at the market price? Is that how you would recommend for people to do it? Yeah. So if you want to buy shares, well, what I would do is I would put so this the way I bought shares is I would put my full asking amount. So I put a full request for basically my full five percent that I ended up getting on the market mm-hmm. on the bid. And I just made sure I had the highest bid. One of the things I think that people have a problem with when they buy illiquid companies is they only bid a smaller amount of shares. Let's yeah. say, you know, 
100 shares or something, if you want 1,000 shares and you only put a bid out for 100, then no one knows that you want 1,000 shares. Right. And, and, and you don't think about this in a liquid company, but an illiquid company, for instance, I said I'd buy a bunch of shares at 30, but no one knows I would do that until I put that bid out there. The same thing is true that no one knows that there's any someone that wants it. She's like, if you want 10,000 shares, you put, should put that out there and just make sure you're the highest bid. You don't necessarily have to put it above the market price of the last trade. You can. But what it will tend to do is that I've seen at this company and other companies is if I put out a bid for 10,000 shares on NFPC, it will signal to the sellers that, hey, someone could buy 10,000 shares. And they might, if they have that volume, or if they have 3,000 shares or 5,000 shares, they'll put that on the ask at whatever they're willing to sell at. Yeah. And if it's low enough, then you can take them out. So, like, I don't mind raising the price of the stock if I think it's severely undervalued. Right. Um, I mean, I think this company, when I was considering what, where would I sell it, and I was considering, okay, I might sell it at $100. And it's currently at 23. My cost base is at 17. Um, because I think when you're growing as rapidly as they are and they have, if they expand as they think, you could see earnings triple from here. Yeah. Um, they have the demand. They just don't have the capacity. Uh, and they have a lot of new customers now from the COVID-19. Basically, the healthcare market, they've broken in pretty heavily. Huh. Um because there was huge demand for retooling equipment to make masks, um, to make you know face shields, everything that people use in the healthcare sector. Well, people manufacture that, and they make the equipment for that. Um, so they broke into a lot of new customers. They just don't have. So they had to cut down on some of the non-healthcare customers. So I mean, I value the company. I never try and actually for companies like this estimate a true number. Yeah for what I think it's worth because it's just so difficult. Sure. What I do is say is I I can't see it being worth less than 10 times earnings when they've demonstrated clear pricing power and very strong ability to grow. I know that makes sense. That, that, that make, completely makes sense. It's a pretty simple idea. And I don't want to sell it for less than 20 times earnings. Yeah. So, I mean, if that means I don't want to sell it for less than $60 a share, basically. Interesting. I mean, now, if someone if, – if, if someone was offering to buy them today for like 55, well, I had probably a take it. The yeah. There's a lot of good deals in the market today. So it's like, I can reinvest that really quickly because I'm selling it at 18 times earnings or something. Sure. Right. Um, but you're not going to get my shares for less than 10 times or, yeah. or less than 15 times earnings. So that's how I think about it. It's more okay. just a range of value. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, I think that's smart doing it that way for sure. Now, for um, is there any? I mean, I think we covered a lot. It's a pretty simple idea. Was there anything else particularly that you thought was worth mentioning? Um, well, one, I think the thing that I've missed doing is I haven't been able to visit it myself, okay. and especially COVID's kind of slowed that. And I think visiting the site would be very helpful. So, if someone's in the New York area, where in New York is it? it? Could, I'm really bad with the uh, it's it's basically right next to New York City is it Staten Island is that other island on 
I don't know the names. I mean, <laughs> I'm really bad at there's, there's, Well, Staten Island's part of New York City. It's one of the boroughs. There's Long Island, which is... Yeah, it's on Long Island. Okay. Yeah, so it's on Long Island, and so if you're anywhere near New York City, it's be pretty easy to visit. Um, they might want you to be a shareholder if you visit. Yeah. I'm unsure. Um, but maybe not. I mean, they seem very personal. Basically, if you just email them and ask them for an annual report, they'll send it to you. Okay. Um, but I think the main thing is understanding the growth story yep. is the big question that you, an investor might have. I mean, because now I don't think you need growth if you buy for less than 10 times earnings, especially when they yeah. distribute all of their non-growth as dividends. Yeah. Um, so at current prices, that's not a big deal. The hardest part with the company is just getting your shares. But if they are growing and if the company starts, you know, let's say doubles in price and is at $45 a share. Um, well, now you're starting to price in some growth to, to justify your investment. I like to get a 10% return on my stocks. So I'll use a 10% discount rate. That's why I was using that 10 times P as a right. cutoff. Um, but I think if you're interested in that, then it's just kind of I'd visit the property and really understand this building expansion that they're going to do and see if someone at the company would walk it out with you um, hmm. or, or have an idea of when they'd install it. I wouldn't have been surprised if we didn't have COVID that they would have installed it or started construction this year. But I think that's going to be pushed at least a year, maybe a year and a half. Interesting. So, um, but I'm happy to cast my dividend checks and it's rare to get a dividend. I mean, I, that's what I think the main thing takeaway is this company is high quality. They're paying a dividend and they've demonstrated the ability to reinvest capital. And when they can't, they pay it to you. Yeah. And finding all of that in today's market That's for less nice. than 10 times earnings yeah. is very attractive. Yeah. Um, or at least I don't have 10 other ideas like this is what I would say. All right. Interesting. Well, hey, it was a pleasure to um, have you on the show. And just once again, for listeners who want to listen to your podcast or go to your blog, what's, just give them, what's all the info if they want to? Check you out. Yeah, so so I have um, a blog and podcast. My blog's at DIYinvesting.org, and the podcast is the DIY Investing Podcast. There's a space between DIY and investing. And you can follow me on Twitter, at Trey Henniger, Okay. and you can find me looking it up that way. That's the best way to uh, get in touch with me, ask me questions. If you want to ask about this company, happy to chat, that sort of thing. All right, cool. And on ericschlein.com slash podcast, we will put up uh, all the show notes with all that information uh, for you guys. All right, cool. Well, Trey, it was a pleasure to have you on, and I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you. You Yeah, take care. Thank you for listening to the Intelligent Investing Podcast with Eric Schlein. If you'd like to connect with Eric for questions, comments, feedback, ideas, or to inquire about being on the show, please contact Eric at intelligentinvesting at gmail.com. So, in the words of Charlie Munger, I have nothing to add.